Tuesday edition of PFTOT, the program that we do after PFT Live ends. We talk about things that we didn't get to, or we talk more about some of the things that we want to talk more about. And let's start with this Ezekiel Elliott holdout, Chris. We talked about the new wrinkles, the perception that the Cowboys are drawing a line in the sand, the arrival of Alfred Morris, who will take over presumably as the number one guy until Elliott comes back. But one thing we haven't addressed, and I really don't know what my own personal crystal ball would say about this yeah. but when do you think this thing ends yeah I, that that's that is the big question and I mean I, I guess my brain first goes to this um I think a little bit might be dependent on how the team looks in the first few preseason games, right? If the pass game is like, oh, they're feeling good. It's been looking good in training camp. And, oh, preseason game one, two, and three. Wow, we really lit it up in the pass game. Uh, that might push back, you know, the, the, the final day or whenever it, it finally does get done. But I, I think realistically, if you made me nail it down, I think it's somewhere around that preseason game number three, Mike. Uh, I think that's, you know, where the team's going to start to get antsy and go, gosh, we'd like to see what our team is going to look like and, in, 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 you know, completely here. And we're missing a huge aspect of the team. He's a special player, special person. And as long as he's not asking for just astronomical numbers, I mean, we expect it more than Todd Gurley. I, you know, I just have a hard time thinking that that's not fair to the Cowboys too and and for what Ezekiel has done already and going to do down the road. I just wonder how this goes in the short term now that it is shifting into negotiation and leverage mode and so much of what gets thrown back at the Cowboys is the Emmett Smith holdout from 1993. He held out into the regular season, missed two games. They lost both of them, then they caved and then the Cowboys managed to win the Super Bowl once they got Emmett Smith under contract. I'm going to watch and wait and see whether or not they start leaking maybe revisionist history about what happened with Emmett Smith. Maybe they get Emmett to tell his story about what really happened at the end because I think the Cowboys may try to revise that perception that they were the ones who caved because they don't want Ezekiel Elliott to just presume they're going to eventually cave. This this is a game within the broader game of football now, and the Cowboys and the Joneses know how to negotiate, and they know how to win at negotiations. And that's why I think this thing suddenly, as of yesterday, has taken a different turn. Once, once Zeke went to Mexico, it felt like the Cowboys decided – to, to really be a little more tough and a little more pointed in the things they're saying. And I think that that's going to get a little uglier before this thing resolves. But I'm with you. I think that it gets done before the start of the regular season. Yeah. If it lingers into the regular season, maybe the Cowboys say, hey, go ahead and sit out as long as you want. We're going to go forward with who we have. Yeah, no. And, and you know, Mike, the, the point you make about them caving and how that looks too, I mean, that's real. That definitely is. I mean, when the team does see or players in the locker room see the team caving, you know, time after time after time yeah you know that could cause issues with future holdouts and all that but you know also within the locker room the players know who the studs are and you they know Ezekiel Elliott stands above the rest as far as how he's viewed by the Jones family and the organization and you can hear the Jones family and the way they talk about him and like you just you've mentioned in the show you know the last two days I mean they were calling him the straw that stirs the drink just a few weeks ago and now things have gotten a little more hardline where they don't want to give those compliments but uh yeah I mean I just think ultimately he's too big of a player he's a star 
He's one of the best offensive players in the game. And the team and the mantra of the team and how they're built is really an Ezekiel Elliott type of style. So I just think, yeah, eventually it gets done before the start of the regular season. And, and, and we've seen what the Cowboys are without Ezekiel Elliott during that six-game suspension in 2017. It was not pretty. I, I don't know. I don't know how you you forget about that, but I think the Cowboys now are are all in on winning this negotiation and getting the best possible deal they can to get Ezekiel Elliott back, but not to spend too much to get the commitment from him to return to camp in Oakland. Some have called what's going on with the Raiders a chemistry experiment. I have made the argument it's more like a Frankenstein monster and one of the parts that they have dusted off and jammed into this cadaver they're trying to bring to life is Vontez Perfect, who relishes his role as a mentor for younger players. You know, this guy's been around for seven, eight years now, and and he does have that renegade mindset. But the thing about Perfect when he was in Cincinnati, the Bengals players loved him. Yes, He's they one did. of those guys who plays with an intensity that makes you want him to be on your team, and it makes you despise him if he is on the other team. And what it's just perfect that he's a member of the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, we, we focus a lot about on the uh, on the Derek Carr-Antonio Brown relationship, but th- this Vontez perfect presence with Paul Gunther running the defense in Oakland, it really can, I think, help solidify a side of the ball that doesn't get that much attention when we talk about the Raiders. No, definitely. I mean, needs uh, major improvements. I mean, their front seven, you could argue, was the worst in football last year. And yeah, it's year two in that Paul Gunther scheme, and he's got familiarity with Vontez Burfecht, and you said it. I mean, you talk to people in Cincinnati there. I mean, Marvin Lewis, he loved Vontez Burfecht when he was playing well. But last year was the first year where it wasn't good play. And that's where, you know, uh, again, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he's still the player he was and goes out there and kicks butt. But last year, it was below average. It was certainly not the Vontez perfect we had uh, become accustomed to. And, you know, you said it's 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 eight years in the NFL at middle linebacker and a middle linebacker that is in the conversation for one of the most physical, I'll throw my body around any which way possible to make the play type of linebacker. So a lot of car crashes there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just wonder how much is left in the tank. They do have some young linebackers, and I could see him, you know, taking that leadership role as far as teaching them all the different things within the system and then maybe being a role player, backup type guy. I don't know how exactly how it works, but he is at that kind of crossroads of his career, Mike, where, yeah, it's year eight, and is it is he going to fight through it and have a few more good years left, or have we seen kind of the end of what he really w- was or is? Hey, Chris, there really is no middle ground for the Raiders. It's either going to work extremely well or it is going to implode between perfect Richie Incognito, Antonio Brown, Derek Carr. And I think this is an upper out year for Derek Carr. If, if he doesn't perform at a high level, they'll have a different quarterback when they move to Las Vegas. I firmly believe that. And perfect uh, could be a great component or he could be a detriment because you know, if, if, if things don't go well and guys start fighting with each other, there, there's a lot of combustible personalities in that locker room. All right, in Philadelphia, one of the things that they need is Carson Wentz to stay healthy, but also they need that deep threat. They were lacking it on a consistent basis last year. This year, Deshaun Jackson is back. And already some rave reviews about Carson Wentz taking advantage of the guy who, even though he's been in the NFL since 2008, can still stretch the field. There could be some special things happening 
between Wentz and Jackson. We saw last year Jackson in flashes with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was dominant. He could be that for the Eagles this year, Chris. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, Mike, to echo what you said there, they need this type of guy badly on their offense because last year they had nothing of the sort. And that was part of Carson Wentz's struggles, I, I truly believe, is, you know, everybody, they, they were kind of banged up. They weren't running the ball very well. They had no guy that could stretch the field down the field. And then it became, oh, Carson Wentz has got to dissect everybody between the five and 10 yard range and make all these tight throws into the window and these tight windows and do that over, you know, over and over. And he he did it at a pretty good job, but uh, still, Deshaun Jackson can still fly. He was open a lot the last last two years. Uh, Jameis Winston had a little issue connecting with Deshaun Jackson because he was open more than his stats would show, okay? And Carson Wentz is a really good deep thrower, but man, with this offensive line being healthy, if they can get what they expect out of Jordan Howard and Carson Wentz can stay healthy and be what we saw two years ago, I mean, the Eagles, uh, yeah, for my money, are certainly a, a Super Bowl contender uh, in the NFL. Yeah, look, they're going to have a real problem if Wentz gets injured because Nick Foles is no longer there to save them. But if Wentz can stay healthy, the Eagles, I think, are the favorite. Somebody asked me yesterday, what's my way-too-early Super Bowl prediction? And I think it's Patriots-Eagles. And that may not change between now and uh, early September, Chris. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not mad at you for that pick at all. I mean, the Patriots are kind of hard not to pick them in the AFC. Uh, the Eagles, definitely one of those teams that I will toss around for being a Super Bowl contender, too. And I think the, you know... Their, their division rival, the Dallas Cowboys, I think are in that conversation too. But yeah, probably have a little more faith in the Eagles than I do at the Cowboys at this point. And if not the Patriots in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs, Frank Clark, who arrived via trade from the Seattle Seahawks, said that on Monday, the Chiefs defense won the day over the Chiefs offense. How can that be when that Kansas City offense is so dynamic and that Chiefs defense was so bad last year, but they've really tried to improve it. They've got Steve Spagnuolo there to run the defense, Chris, and that defense doesn't need to get dramatically better. It just needs to get a little bit better, yes. and the Chiefs are a Super Bowl team. Yes, and you know, Frank Clark, you can see it just in the highlights I've seen and things I've seen through training camp. I mean, he's flying around like a madman he's kind of changing the you know the mantra of that defense to a degree he's a leader that way and then you you know Spagnolo. we're getting towards the part of training camp now where you're getting a few days in to where now defensive coordinators are starting to throw in a few wrinkles right they're starting to game plan against the offense but biggest thing for me is these are great comments by Frank Clark this is what makes the team better you know he's kind of making it competitive oh yeah it's training camp and we're all sick of seeing each other and it's practice after practice after practice, but he's out. We won today. We won that one, and that'll get underneath the offense's skin, and the coaches will talk about it, and players will talk about it, and the defensive players will keep reminding the offensive players to where, you know, it's going to improve the level of the next practice because the offense is going to want to shut Frank Clark up, and that's always good banter to have during this time of the year. You want to have that competition. You want to have the guys on their own team doing everything they can to get the most out of their teammates so they are ready to go when it's time to compete against an opponent. And we hear all the time the stories about how being across from a great defensive end makes an offensive lineman better and yeah. vice versa. You get those fights in training camp, not actual training camp fights. We hope they stay away from them, although I 
I like to I like see them when too. they happen. Yeah. Causes injuries. They don't want to be fighting literally, but those competitions will help make everyone better. All right. Uh, one guy who never competed at a high enough level to get the Cardinals to stick with him. Robert Kimdichie was waived by the team over the weekend. He was due a $400,000 roster bonus early in camp. He had four and a half sacks last year. He previously had none in his career. A first-round pick who is a bust not claimed on waivers, and for good reason. Somebody would have had to pay him $400,000 under that Cardinals contract right out of the gates. Will someone sign this guy? Does this guy have enough potential that you can say, you know what, for a minimum-level contract, five, six, dollars $700,000, it's worth it because this guy does have talent. It's only been three years since he was a first-round pick. What do you think someone will do or not do with Robert Kimdichie? I think that, that realistically that'll happen at some point. Somebody will sign him for a one-year minimum-type contract, Mike, and I'm not so sure he necessarily deserves that either, but it's because of the specimen that he is, which we've been hearing about since his freshman year at Old Miss. Specimen, the legend of Robert Kimdichie and Specimen. He looks so great. He looks so great. Gosh, I'm getting ready for the NFL draft. I got all these football people telling me, man, Robert Kimdichie's a freak of athlete. He's a freaky athlete. I turn on the film and I go, oh, he looks like a freak athlete. You turn on the film and I go, oh, man, he runs really good for 295 pounds. And then I keep turning on the film and I go, damn, every time he gets, every play though, he gets blocked. He never does anything. He's five yards down the field and seems content that the guard is dominating him. He's 10 yards down the field and the, on a double team block and seems very content that he's that down there, you know, you know, skiing down the field as he's being pushed around. So to me, it's been all about the potential. He is truly that type of guy. That's what kind of draft pick he was. That's what happened at Ole Miss. Everybody sees the specimen and the physical tools he has and goes, ooh, he could be special. But I've seen enough to say it's not going to happen. I just not. And then this is the last thing for me. I mean, when you come into training camp after being below average your first three years in your career and you're not going to be in shape, you know, that's going to scare off at least half the teams in the league, Mike. But I think ultimately somebody will eventually sign him and give him another shot. Hey, I look at it this way. Bruce Arians was the coach of the Cardinals and he was drafted in 2016 and they have a clear need with Jason Pierre-Paul injured. If they have no interest in Robert Kimdichie, that should be the warning sign for everyone else. That's a valid else point, Mike. There is a clear and obvious urgency to improve the pass rush position in Tampa Bay with JPP out. All right, we're out until tomorrow. New Chris Sims Unbuttoned coming later today. There may or may not be a new edition of PFTPM. You can check out Mondays if you care to. I'm down to three a week, Chris. You're at two a week. Yes. It's it's. I I, I think I'm with you. Three a week during the season. Yeah. For the afternoon podcast, because we got five a week. Well, four in your case every morning here on PFT Live and PFTOT. Yeah, we got enough. We're doing shows. We got PFTOT. I think two pods can get it done until the season starts, and then we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about for three podcasts a week. All right, and we'll see you here Wednesday morning with plenty more to talk about on everything happening in the National Football League. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll talk Wednesday. See ya.